Uh, turn to John chapter 1. Our main verses for today are going to be John chapter 1, verses 6 through 13. John 1, 6 through 13. John 1, 6 through 13. That's what it says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. It is alive and active, Father. Let us learn this morning about you uh, through your word and who you are, uh, and that you are the light of the world, uh, who, who sent his son, Jesus, to, to die for us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen may be seated. All right, so as we're going through the Gospel of John, we are, we're going to preach the whole book of John. It may take two years, I don't know. Uh, but here's the verses this week, and there's so much in here. The Gospel of John does scream about the faith that we should have in Christ. Uh, it is the clearest example of living a life uh, for Christ who redeemed you and I. Uh, and we need to learn about Jesus' love so that we can take that and show that love to others. Uh, you know, it's kind of like in sales. You're not going to do very good in sales if you don't believe in your product that you're selling. You're not going to do very good uh, as a Christian if you're not completely sold out in belief and learning about who uh, Jesus is. So we must learn about Christ, and John demonstrates that through the whole book. So the first point for today as we go through this is what is John's function? Um, what is John, John's function? We talked last week about two words, life and light. Uh, and now we have a third word that is extremely important here, and it's witness. In order to clearly see Jesus, we have to understand the testimony of others. And what John does here is he introduces uh, his function. Not who he really is, but what is his function. John the Baptist, what is his function? Uh, and John's focus is on why he came and more importantly, who sent him. And so witness here, the word witness is someone who testifies to what they have seen. Uh, kind of like almost a witness in court. The Greek word that is used here is where we get the word martyr. Um, so you and I have to have this same ability uh, and, have, and to do this, and that is to witness and testify to what has happened to us in our personal lives, what Christ has done for us. Uh, and, and it's really no different here. The language here is no different than a witness who is called into court and is to, to repeat or explain exactly what has happened in a uh, situation. So John the Baptist here, and, and as I go through here, instead of saying his whole name, I call him JB because I really like, I like JB. JB is probably one of my favorite. Uh, other than Jesus, I think JB, he brought it. I mean, he brought it, and he told it like it was, and I try to do that. I'm not nearly on JB's level, obviously, but I try to, I try to do that. Uh, but John, John the Baptist, old JB, he came as a witness for Christ and to testify uh, of, of, of Christ and who he was going to be. So he was, uh, the, the author of John, John reports that John the Baptist was literally sent, commissioned to go 
uh, to be a witness. And that is the same base that we get the mission of a disciple uh, who is sent. John uses this word here to frequently demonstrate the intent of a witness, that he's going to tell everybody. He is going to be open and he's going to tell everybody. So John's description is clear about John the Baptist, about J.B. He was sent to provide a witness to Christ. Just as a martyr is willing to go and die, John the Baptist is willing to do whatever it takes to share this gospel and to share about who Jesus was and to point towards Christ. Turn to Matthew. I want to give you an example here of that. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. John is willing to do whatever it takes, even to the point of being a martyr for Christ. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, it tells us about John's death. This is what it says. At that time, Herod heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's wife. Because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Give me the head of John the, Baptist here, John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. And he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl. And, and she, brought it, she brought it to her mother. And then his disciples came, took the body, buried it, and they went and told Jesus. So let me tell you, let me explain what happened here at John's death. So John was so bold, he was going to tell the truth no matter what. And Herod, Herod had taken his brother's wife as one of his wives. And John preached against that. And John said, Herod, it's not right that you have your brother's wife as your own wife. And that made Herodias just basically madder than a wet hen. And she said, I'm going to do anything I can to get that guy. I'm going to get him because he's preaching against my sin and I don't like that. He should, who does he think he is to tell me how I should live my life? right? He shouldn't preach against my sin. I can do whatever I want. I'm the queen, right? So here they have a birthday party and Herodias's daughter, now we see that Herod's full of lust because his daughter starts doing a dance and Herodias is, or Herod's full of lust and he says, man, I'll give you anything up to half of my kingdom because he's full of lust and he wants to take his wife's daughter, his brother's daughter as one of his wives, and she goes to her mom and says, oh, Herod said he wants to, he wants, he'll give me anything up to half the kingdom. And Herodias hated John so bad because he preached the truth. She said, what should I ask for, mom? And she said, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. You know how, why John was executed? Because he preached the truth. He didn't mince words. He said it exactly like it was. Now here, how does that correlate to us? John tells us like, like it is, it's not fun, there's risk involved in doing that, but he's called to teach the truth. Let me say today, church, we are also called to teach the truth. No matter how bad we don't want to do it, no matter how bad the dangers may be of the outside world saying, look at those Christians, they call it like it is. That's what we're told to do, no matter whether we want to do it or not. That's what we're told to do is to preach the truth to teach the truth. 
And that's commanded to all of us. The Great Commission is not just for some, but it's for all who follow Christ. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even the end of age. That's why discipleship's important. That's why we give out certificates. Because I'm commanded to not only baptize, but I'm commanded to teach after that. Now listen, what am I commanded to teach? The truth. I'm going to say it like it is. I'm commanded to. I have to follow the example Jesus said there's been nobody greater than John the Baptist. And John had no problem. It didn't matter what kind of... See, in in churches, we like to do this. We'll call some people out for their sin, but if there's somebody else who holds a higher position or maybe they have a better job, well, we don't want to offend. We can't say that about that person. We can't can't talk to them because... No, no, no. John said, I'm going to go all the way up to the king and I'm going to preach out his sin. If he's wrong, I'm going to tell him. We have to be willing to do the same thing. That's why discipleship should hold such a high place. We should be teaching each other. We should be growing together in Christ. You see, it wasn't John's mission wasn't just to preach Herod out. He wanted Herod to be convicted of his sin and turn to Jesus. So when we go and we have to have tough conversations with one another, that should be in love. The goal should be for that person to turn back to Christ. That should be the goal. And we have to tell it like it is. Listen, that's, hey, here's the deal. If you, if you don't want to be challenged to grow in Christ, let me say this this morning. If you don't want to be challenged to grow in Christ, if you want to blend in and just be a number and just show up on Sunday, then I'm going to tell you, Crossbridge just probably isn't for you. And that's the truth. Because you know why? Because Scripture tells me that I'm held accountable that I am accountable, that I'm supposed to watch over your souls, and I'm going to give an account one day before God. And that's a scary thing to be a leader of a church. It's in Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to give an account one day. So you have to grow in Christ. If you don't want to grow in Christ, I'm going to be challenging you all the time. I need to grow in Christ. If you don't think the leaders of our church don't challenge me to grow in Christ, man, set in on an elder meeting sometime. I'm challenged to. I have to. We have to grow. We have to grow. So here's the deal. Listen, we're going to teach the truth. That was John's purpose. That should be our purpose. No matter what they say out there, we're going to teach the truth and we're going to teach what's right, what Scripture says. Not our own opinion. We're going to teach the truth. So so a second thing that's found in here. So point one was John's purpose was to be a witness for Christ. To be a witness for Christ. And ultimately, he was martyred because of that. Am I willing to be martyred? Am I willing to be hung for preaching the truth? I better be, or I'm in the wrong profession. I better be. And you think, and I know we say, ah, but Jeff, I mean, come on. It's really not that bad here in our country. Just wait 50 years. Wait 20 years. See what it's going to be like for Christians. Just wait. Are you willing? Like if there were people standing outside saying, I can't, you're going to that church? That's who you're associating yourself with? And they're giving you a hard time at the door. Would you be here this morning? That's the truth. Because that's where it is in some parts of the world. And I have a feeling, it's a scary thing for our kids and our little young ones, but I have a feeling it'll be the same here one day. And we have to just preach the truth no matter what. So John's purpose was to be a witness for Christ just like ours. Second thing here is Jesus is rejected. 
So John the Baptist is not the light of the world. He is a testifier of it. And John is willing to do whatever he can to ensure that people understand this. And he's willing to do whatever it takes, right? So he is not the light of the world. It got to me, it made me think this week, just how awesome and beautiful a sunset is. I mean, there's times whenever we've been on vacation and uh, been down on the beach and seen the sunset. It's just beautiful. There's nothing really man-made that can compare to an awesome sunset. I mean, it's just beautiful. Uh, we have movie effects and all that other stuff. But man, just walk outside. It really, in Romans chapter 1, when he talks about the creation and, and that knowledge has been placed in us and you should look around and see God's glory, that's one of the ways. That's one of the ways is through a sunset. But by coming into the world, Jesus would bring the light of God. He would bring a, the light of God. And he would bring us something that we lack, that we lack, that we need, and that is the light. It's a missing piece of the puzzle in our lives that nothing else can fill. You see, everybody, everybody tries to fill this missing piece of the puzzle by stuff of the world, by things out there. And John says the true light is going to be coming in. I'm going to testify. And there's no, listen, there's nothing else in your life that you can replace Christ with. You're still, no matter what you try to do, if you don't have Christ and you don't have his life, there, his light, there's a void. You're not redeemed. And Jesus would be presented to the world as the Redeemer, as the Redeemer. After his, uh, and in his testimony, John the Baptist proclaimed that, that Jesus is going to be the Redeemer. So verse 10, go down to verse 10. Now he's rejected. He's rejected. Even though, even though he would be in the world, Scripture says, he's rejected. In verse 10. Even though... He was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So he was rejected. Even though he's the creator of the world, even though he created everything, the world would deny even his own existence. John's proclamation is to teach creation, rejection. And it's, it's our own depravity. It's our own sin who rejects who Jesus really is. Romans 1.18 says this. We've talked a lot about Romans 1. It's been something I've been studying on. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we have a distinct knowledge of who God is. And because of our own sin and our own depravity, our own wickedness, we suppress that truth. And we say, I'm going to go do what I want to do. I want to live the life that I want to live. I want to do my own thing. Right? And so we suppress the truth by our own unrighteousness. Let me say this morning, guys, that it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And he is angry about sin. Let me say this morning, he is angry. And there's examples of this in Scripture. If you go to Genesis chapter 6 through 9, something we're about ready to study in Sunday morning downstairs, it talks about the flood. All things are destroyed because of what? Because of God's anger at sin. All things were destroyed. Listen, when we reject Jesus, when you reject Jesus and you say, I'm going to do it my way, I don't, want to, I don't want to conform to God. I don't want a God in my life. I want to do it my way. When you reject Jesus, there's judgment and there's wrath. 
There's judgment and wrath. Jonathan Edwards delivered a famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Let me say this morning, I'm not here and I don't want to scare people into heaven. But you must know that if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian and you reject Christ and the sacrifice that he made for you, there is eternal judgment waiting for you in hell. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And that's the same truth that John the Baptist would preach and teach. Even though, even though Jesus had come to what was already his for what he created, verse 11 says he's rejected. Imagine this. Imagine you come home and your own household rejects you. Your key doesn't work. The door's locked. Everybody says, we don't know you, and they shut you out. Even though you hold the deed to the property, and you own the property, everybody says, you're not allowed. You're out. You're done. We don't know you. That's exactly what they did to Christ. Now, I hope Selena never gets mad at me enough where she does something like that, right? Or I'll be calling somebody in here for sleep on your couch that night. Uh, but that's exactly what they did to Christ. He created the world, and he came. And what they say? They locked him out. They shut him out. They rejected of who he was. It's the same visual interpretation that John gives us right here in John chapter 1. It is his. Everything was made through him. He is not accepted at his own place as the owner of all creation. Isaiah 53.3. Isaiah 53.3 says this. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Jesus, who we've been learning on Wednesday nights, is truly the creator of all, who created everything. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says, He created everything, is shut out by his own creation. The door's locked. Hey, it's a picture that as Christians, it's tough. We must reconcile that in our hearts. Let me say this morning, it was you and I who shut him out, who rejected him. Until that day when we got on our knees and accepted who, him for who he was. God Almighty. And took his sacrifice, put our trust in his sacrifice that he made. Now here's the other flip side of this. Go back, we're, we're supposed to be talking about being witnesses, right? Go back to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6. 22 through 23. Luke 6, 22 and 23 says this, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did it to the prophets. Listen, it, we have to be ready for rejection. Part of the reason why people don't want to be a witness for Christ and keep their mouth shut is because they're worried about being rejected. They shouldn't be worried about that. If they rejected the creator of the world, if they rejected Jesus, I guarantee you when we teach about him, they're going to reject us too. It don't take it personal. It's not a personal rejection. Be happy about that. It means when you're getting rejected, that means you're telling somebody. Listen, you're, it's not about how many people I can get to come to the Lord. It's not about that. It's about me being obedient to spreading the word just like John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was obedient to being a witness for Christ. He told it like it was. 
He preached it like it was, and they cut off his head. <laughs> They're going to do the same thing to us. Hopefully not physically. Nobody's cutting my head off next week. Never know. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But i got to be willing to take that risk. I have to, I have to be willing to say, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be a witness for Christ no matter what the consequences. No matter what. If they rejected Christ, they're going to reject you too. Listen, what we should be focused on is keep doing what we know we're supposed to do. Stop worried about being rejected or not. Just keep doing what we're supposed to do. Be obedient and spread the word. Spread the gospel. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. God will take care of that. Just like we talked about Jonah probably, what, eight months ago, a year ago, time gets away from me. Jonah preached the worst, the worst sermon ever. I mean, it was a one-line sermon as he walked through Nineveh. Repent of your sins or in 40 days you're all going to die. That's it. He hated them. He didn't want them to be saved. Repent of your sins and in 40 days. And what happened? It wasn't Jonah's ability who happened. The whole city repented, right? Because he was just obedient. Finally, he was obedient. So let God worry about that. Just be obedient to being a witness. They're going to reject Jesus. They rejected Jesus, so they're going to reject you too. It's part of it. Don't worry about it. Listen, John didn't mince words with any of this. JB didn't mince words, and I can't afford to either. And we can't afford to. We can't change the gospel. We can't make it nice. Listen to me. If you're, if you're not a follower of Christ this morning, there's no happy ending for you. I have, you have to understand that. If you're not a believer this morning, you're dead in your sins and your eternity is hell. And that's the truth. I can't say that God has a wonderful plan for your life if you're not a follower of his. Because there is no wonderful plan. I can't go up to you and say how much God loves you because right now he's rejecting you. He doesn't hear your prayers because you're not, you don't have the Son inter interceding for you. You don't have Christ. You have to understand that. Now listen, here's the good thing. Here's the good thing, though. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, there is a plan, and that's for you to glorify and worship him and honor him in everything that you do. That's the plan. That's, and, and listen, it all ends. You win in the end. You inherit the kingdom of heaven. How awesome. I talked about that last night at Freeway. How awesome heaven's going to be one day. How awesome. Listen, so do we. Here's the challenge. Do we live because we live for him and to glorify him? Or am I living for myself? Am I living for what I want to do? Listen, if I'm living for me, then I'm just like the people in John 1 that are rejecting Jesus. You see, when I become a follower of Christ, it's not about me anymore. It's about Him. My focus and attention is on Him and glorifying and honoring Him. Well, which brings me to my third point here. There's an incredible word here in Luke, in verse 12. There's an incredible word here. Uh, excuse me, in John 1. Incredible word. And it's not a hard one to figure out. Incredible word in verse 12. Verse 12. Here's the transition, guys. In John chapter 1. Let me find it. I'm flipping to the wrong thing here. Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 12. But. So I'm going to tell you the bad stuff about whether you reject me. 
but, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. So the third point is we have an escape. There's an escape. So I'm, if I'm not a follower of his, I talked last night about freeway. I'm dead in my sin. I'm dead. There's no wonderful plan. There's death. I have to pay for my sin. But if I receive him, what does verse 12 say? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who believed in who Jesus was, who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. So right at the onset of the book of John and the gospel, John gives us a way out. Imagine the greatest novel in history, right? And the second line of that, the second sentence, is the ending. <laughs> That's exactly what he does here. Even before the book really even gets rolling, John gives us hope. We have a choice on how we're going to respond. To all who believe, to all who receive, he gave, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, we could only be given a right by someone who has the authority to give that right. And that's who Jesus is. Romans 8, 17 through 19. Romans 8, 17 through 19. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provide we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time worth not comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Even with our sin, even with sin, he gives us hope that we can become a child of God. Now look at the phrase in verse 13. It's important how this is used. We have the right to become children of God. This isn't done by natural descent. So it's not a biology lesson. It doesn't happen that way. It's not by human decision. No one decided that they'd have us. Not born of man's will. Not because of lineage. Not because I'm a son of Abraham. You know, in Scripture, a lot of people put their faith and trust in that they were a son of Abraham. A lot of people today put their faith and trust that they're a member of a church. Let me say, if you join Crossbridge this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you joining Crossbridge means absolutely nothing. You having a personal relationship with Christ is what's important. Not being a part of a denomination or a church has nothing to do with it. It's a personal relationship with Christ. That's how we're given. It's not by man's will. I can't. Listen, don't put your faith and trust in me. I can't decide as the pastor of this church whether you go to heaven or not. Don't, don't put your faith and trust in a man of this earth. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Not, not some man. But what does it say? But born of God. Something that God would decide to grant us. Listen, if we don't get that, if you don't get that into your heart, your mind today, you're not going to be effective for him. We're born for a kingdom. You know, baptism is extremely important this morning, right? It's extremely important. Baptism is a symbol of her old life being dead, and now she's a new creation in Christ. She's a new person in Christ. With that, I tell people all the time, hey, before you make a commitment, understand what you're getting yourself into. 
Because when you tell somebody in this church that you're a follower of Christ, that we're going to hold you accountable. And they're, they're, you're going to be held to a higher standard. We should be held to a higher standard. It's not of ourselves that we're born into this kingdom, but by His. 1 Peter 2.10 says this. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When we're not of Christ, we're alone, without hope, with no, without even, with anything. And now, when we become of Christ, we're able to surrender and receive a right to be called God's children. Wow. I wonder, I wonder how John the Baptist must have marveled at his mission that he was given. Knowing that the one he was going to proclaim would be his own cousin. That his own cousin would provide him life and a right to be a son of God. What a mission. What a mission John the Baptist had. Listen, what a mission you have. What a mission I have. That until I take my last breath, I can proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And there's hope. There's hope. So what was John's function? Let's recap here. I'm going to do a quick recap before we close. What was John's function? To be a messenger. To be a messenger. To be willing to go and spread the word about who Jesus was. Second thing was Jesus was rejected. Are you rejecting him? Do you reject him? Let me say again, if you reject Christ, and listen, I want to make sure you understand this. This is why Wednesday night class is so important. Because there's a lot of people that say Jesus' name. There's a lot of people that talk about Jesus. But let me say, there's only one Jesus in Scripture. So make sure you have the Jesus in Scripture. When you call upon Jesus' name, make sure you understand who he is in here. Because a lot of people, let me say, are calling on Jesus' name, and they're not calling on Jesus' name of the Bible. And if you don't understand who Jesus is, and you call upon his name, and it's not the God of the Bible, you got problems. you got issues. We've been talking about that on Wednesday night. And here's, here's the deal. You have wrath awaiting you. There's eternal separation from God awaiting you. But the third thing, and the bright spot in this, is we have an escape. That Jesus came, God in flesh, and died for our sins. He gave us an escape so that we have hope in becoming children of God. Wow. John the Baptist, what we can learn here, was a witness for Christ. And he was willing to teach the truth and preach the truth no matter what the consequences. Up until the point of his death, he did what was right. And he preached the truth and he wasn't scared to preach the truth. We can't be, we can't be either. Even with everything that John teaches us about the eyewitness account of who Jesus was, the world still rejected him, still turned away. Let me say this morning, there's a lot of people, I believe this all my heart, I believe there's a lot of people that sit in church every Sunday and they've joined a church or they've made some commitment when they were a kid and, and every, all their friends at church camp, the pastor said, raise your hand if you want to be saved and a hundred kids raised their hand because their buddy next to them did. And they have no desire for scripture at all. They have no desire for the truth. Or they've joined a local church and they're holding on to that hope. And when they die, they're going to stand before God and he's going to say, I don't know who you are. 
I don't know who you are. Depart from me. So I don't know who you are. The question is very simple for today, and it's the same one that Peter asked. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he to you? Not the person next to you, not to me, not what the Bible says. Who do you say he is? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? It better be the one that the Bible says. And if it's not, and your hopes are on anything else but him, there's wrath awaiting. There's wrath awaiting. Listen, he can't be the Lord of your life if you're in the driver's seat. If you're the one who wants control. You have to understand, you got to give him the keys and say, I'm following you no matter what. No matter what, I'm going to follow you. No matter what. Hey, that's a real life application for us today out of this scripture. John the Baptist was willing, no matter what, no matter to the point of death, I'm going to teach about who you were. I'm going to teach about who you were. Today, will you surrender to him or are you going to continue to hold on to what you want? and your stuff that tries to fill that void. You have an opportunity this morning. I don't care how old you are. Listen, I don't care if you're 80 years old and you've been coming to church for 50 years. If you've never gotten down on your knees and professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and put your faith and trust in Him, there's judgment awaiting. It's not about being a member of the church. It's not about how often you come. Do I believe who Jesus is? Do I believe what He did for me? Do I believe that? We're going we're gonna to have a prayer and we're going to have an invitation. If you would, please stand with me this morning. As we pray, if you would, bow your heads. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for the example that you are for us as you lived your life. Jesus, that you lived your life in Scripture perfect. And we have an example of who you are. Father, I thank you for John the Baptist and his truth that he taught. Father, let us always teach the truth about who you are, about who your son is. Let us not deviate from that. Let us today put our faith and trust in you completely. Give you control, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come this morning, you come. If you need to come and and be a member of this body, you can do that. If you want me to pray with you, I will. If you want to pray on your own, you can do that. If you have need, you come.
I'm going to ask uh, Danielle if you would come up here first. Um, guys, I'm glad we had church this morning. Amen. Uh, this young lady has been coming to Freeway for a long time. She's been a part of this uh, church for a long time. And this morning, this morning, she gave her life to Christ. It's our job as brothers and sisters in Christ to be there for her, to help her, uh, to help her grow, to disciple her. I'm sure uh, that Amanda is probably, if not already talked to you, going to be talking to you about discipleship or Carol. Um, I want you to stay up here. Donnie, come on up here. Where'd you go hide on me? There you are. 
this young man this week, right? Was it this week or last? This week, Thursday night, um, going through a discipleship class. We also use discipleship to teach people about who Jesus is. Thursday night during the discipleship class, Donnie also made a profession of faith in Christ as his Savior. Danielle is uh, also requesting membership in this local body. We are about ready to start a new member course, which is going to be next Sunday. Two week, we're putting it off a week because of the weather. Okay, it's 28th. We're going to start the new member course the 28th. I think we have like 13 probably people somewhere in there that are going to be going through the new member course. So that's obviously very exciting also. Um, do you guys have anything you want to say? Uh, Kathy, by the way, let's keep the baptistry nice and warm over the next couple of weeks, okay? Uh, do you guys have anything you want to say? Amen. I want to read our benediction today, and then after this, uh, I'm going to ask someone to close in prayer, and then I want you to come around and congratulate them, love up on them as brothers and sisters in Christ. So you have to stay up here for a few minutes, okay, uh, and let everyone come around and hug you. But the benediction today is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says this, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'm going to ask a friend of mine who's visiting with us this morning. I love him to death. I'm going to ask Kenny if you would close us in prayer.